Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. The voice is like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. You sound like you're from London. I don't want your life. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine. Love is in the air, everybody, and this is the Movie Showdown with Rock and Rob. My name is Rob Mansfield, and with me, the only man I know that likes candy hearts, it's Alex Rockline. Call me. <laughs> I actually have no clue if you like candy hearts, but I just wanted to find a way to talk about candy hearts. Do people actually eat those? I didn't think you actually ate those. Like candy corn. People actually eat those things? Uh, my kids weirdly eat candy corn. Oh, well, they're kids. That's fine. Adults. I'm talking adults. Kids will eat anything. Candy hearts are a step above that. At least they're somewhat edible. I would agree. Yes, yes. If you were to rank bad candies candy. that no one eats, yeah, I think I would put candy hearts above candy corn. Definitely. It would be like candy corn, candy hearts, then the like weird hard candy that grandparents always used to have in their bags. Oh, the strawberry wrapping? Yep, yep, exactly. I think dead last is going to be circus peanuts. Have you ever eaten circus peanuts? Well, no, I don't want to die. I think they're just packaging peanuts. Yeah. Someone's like, put them in a bag. Someone will eat these. Since it's Valentine's Day, Alex, what does your typical Valentine's Day look like? And remember, we are a family show, so keep it PG. Yeah. You know, Valentine's Day has always been blah for us. We're just not very big into it. But I think my favorite Valentine's Day memory is back when we were in Massachusetts before we even had kids. And we're like, oh, I feel like going out because everything's crowded, of course. Yeah, yeah. We'll just do some takeout. There was a Vietnamese place down the road and we knew the people who owned it. So, you know, doorbell rings. We go to answer the door and the guy who's delivering it is the person we know. He was the owner. Yeah. He just kind of looked at us. He's like, what are you guys doing? It's Valentine's Day. And we're like, nah, it's not our (laughs) thing. And I think he judged us every day since then. Yeah. That's the extent really of, of our Valentine's Day. Krista's birthday is the day after Valentine's Day. So I, very early on in our relationship, created a holiday called Birthentine's Day, which is a joint celebration. We still do things on both the days, but on Valentine's Day, much like you said, because everything is so crowded, we usually stay home and I will make a homemade pizza in the shape of a heart. And then for her birthday, we do different things every year. Very nice. Well, in honor of Valentine's Day, we wanted to bring the romance to our listeners. So this week, we decided to take two of the most romantic-ish movies and battle them out. And those two movies are A Walk to Remember and The Notebook. Besides being romance movies, the connecting theme here is both of these are movies based off of Nicholas Sparks novels. Most people probably know this, but Nicholas Sparks is a romance novelist. He has had 23 novels, all New York Times bestsellers, and 11 of his books have been made into movies. Well, Alex, talk to me about the movie you're representing this week. So this week, I will be representing A Walk to Remember. Walk to Remember is about a nice Christian girl that turns a bad boy good through the power of songs, stars, and sweaters. And then they get <laughs> married for the summer before she dies, sadly, of leukemia. And this is a romance movie? This movie was released January 25th, 
Ooh, January 25th, Rob. That's my birthday. 2002. Yeah, I, I didn't see it in theaters. Missed opportunity. This movie was directed by Adam Shankman. I think he directed one of Wes's favorite movies. Yes, he is the director of Bedtime Stories. It was on Wes's top five list. He actually makes a cameo in this film as a nurse who was pushing Jamie out of the hospital room. Nice. This is written by Karen Jansen. This movie had a budget of $11.8 million, and the box office brought in $47.5 million. A Walk to Remember has a Rotten Tomato score of 29%, but a Google audience score of 91%. And according to Google, this is a romance slash thriller. What part of this is thrilling? I don't know where the thriller the aspect beginning? comes in. Like when they jump off the tower? <laughs> Maybe. Full disclosure, did not read the book. Uh, No, me neither. Does the book have more? I don't know. That's a weird one. Why can't it just be romance? Yeah. Drama. Whatever. Speaking of the book, it was set in the 1950s, but the movie, they changed it to current day to try to appeal more to the youths of the time. I would say it worked, making 47.5 million. Yeah. Well, great. Well, I will be representing The Notebook this week. Summary, if you ask your wife or girlfriend to think of the most romantic love story they could imagine, it would definitely be this, minus the dementia. Released on June 25th, 2004, directed by Nick Cassavetes, which loyal listener to the show, Steve Ohms, one of his favorite movies, John Q, was directed by Casavetes. Written by Jeremy Levin, Jan Sardi, had a budget of $29 million and a box office of $117.8 million. Nice. Rotten Tomatoes, 54%. Google Audience, 85%, which is shocking to me. I don't know if I've really met anybody that doesn't like this movie. You're absolutely right. A Walk to Remember, 6% higher. Right. The Notebook is the third film adaption of a Nicholas Sparks novel, but the book was actually his first one published, releasing in 1996. Oh, okay. Quick draft Valentine's Day TV episodes. I'll let you go first. Ready? Go. I will take Parks and Rec season two episode called Valentine's Day. I'm going to have to go Friends season one, episode 14. The one with the candy hearts. Janice is back. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then I'm going to take The Office Season 2, Episode 16, titled Valentine's Day. That look from Pam to Jim at the end of the episode. Wow, they knew how to do a will they, won't they. (laughs) Is that the one where Phyllis gets all the stuff during the day? Yes. That's a great one. Okay, for my next pick, I am going to take Community Season 2, Episode 15, Early 21st Century Romanticism. That's the one where Troy and Abed both kind of fall for the librarian and they're just kind of like respectfully (laughs) battling it out against each other. All right, for my next pick, I am going to dip into The Office here, and I'm going to take the episode entitled Blood Drive. Nice. Where there's a blood drive, and Michael admits that he's been so nervous he hasn't eaten for three days and then passes out. (laughs) Okay, I am going to take Modern Family, Season 1, Episode 15, My Funky Valentine, Clive Bixby, and the Trench Coat. Is that where Clive Bixby makes his appearance, his first appearance? his first one, yep. And then I am going to take Boy Meets World, Season 5, Episode 15, First Girlfriends Club. This is when three of Sean's ex-girlfriends kidnap him on Valentine's Day. I just watched it last night. It's a really good episode. That's a great episode. All right, let's go with Parks and Rec, Season 4, I believe, episode entitled Operation Anne, where the gang is just trying to get Anne a date for Valentine's Day. It's a good episode. They're all great episodes. Yeah, they really are. 
And to close it out for me, you know what? Let's stick with Parks and Rec Season 6, another episode entitled Galentine's Day. For those of you not aware, Galentine's Day is the day before Valentine's Day, where Leslie throws a party with all the girls she knows. Did Parks and Rec create that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this episode is Anne is leaving the show. And so she's kind of holding a contest to see who her next best friend is going to be. For my last pick, season one, episode 19 of The O.C. titled The Heartbreak. This is when Seth and Summer finally get together. Let's go. Okay, that was fun. I know we've said it, but I love holiday themed TV episodes. I did do too. It's fun when they like kind of dig something out. Okay. You ready to battle this out? I'm ready. Round one, best cast. Take it away. All right, so Shane West, he plays Landon Carter. Krista told me that every girl was obsessed with Landon Carter, kind of that reformed bad boy. He had that late 90s, early 2000s, cool hot guy vibe. Can't say I remember that, but I'll take her word for it. I actually was talking to someone at work, and they told me that they loved the name Landon because of this guy, too. Oh, interesting. Also appearing alongside Shane West is superstar, singer, songwriter, and actress Mandy Moore. She plays Jamie Sullivan. One of the comments she had on this film, she said, It was my first movie, and I know people say it may be cheesy, but for me, it's the thing I'm most proud of. That's good. I don't like it when actors bash stuff that they were in, yeah, especially like either. early stuff. Embrace it, yeah, and I thought she was great in this. You know, She was. She's been in This Is Us, and then she was the voice of Rapunzel and Tangled. She's great. Um, and she was only 17 when this movie came out, and Shane West was 23. I bought Shane West as a high school kid. Yeah. You know, sometimes they cast someone, and you're like, you're way too old to be in this role. Yeah. But also during the film, she's sick, and so like as the film goes on, she gets sicker, but like subtly, they kind of like, you know, she's paler. Yeah, I thought they did a good job. I, when you watch this knowing that she has like an illness, you can definitely tell little hints of things that they do with the makeup around her eyes and yeah. things of that nature. It gives off. She's still very pretty. But if you're looking for it, you can tell in certain scenes like, oh, she is sick. Yeah, definitely. Also considered for this role were Anne Hathaway and Jessica Simpson. Interesting. Playing Landon's mom was Daryl Hannah. She's been in so much. Kind of too many to bring yeah. up, but if you check out her IMDb page, it's it's loaded with with credits. Yeah. How did you feel about his friend Eric, played by Al Thompson? No hate on Al Thompson. He was just playing the role that was written, but that character is insane. I'm going to bring it up later with some of my issues with the high school stereotypes in this movie, but nobody acts like that. Yeah, it's like sometimes like, you know, you'll have friends who will like kind of be goofy to go, you know, joke around. But he is just always at that. <laughs> You're just like, right, yeah, I get it. Like, OK, it's interesting because they did a good job of making all of the friends in that group deplorable. Mm -hmm. But then they tried to give this character a little bit of redemption at the end. But he was the most cartoonish of them all. Yeah. All yeah. he kept talking about was sexual stuff. I mean, he was just like that super horned up teen guy after like a couple minutes of it it was just too much yeah and then like yeah at the end they like he has like that really serious scene with him yeah i wish they gave him a little more yeah yeah of that you know kind of like bring him back down to earth but like you said the other friends were they were just awful what a just terrible awful. group of people also appearing in the film is great name peter coyote that is a good he name. plays jamie's dad also the pastor and man he was something else up there <laughs> sunday mornings 
he epitomized the Southern Baptist fire and brimstone pastor. I mean, in that opening scene that you meet him in, and he's literally just calling people out from the pulpit. Yeah. That one scene where Jamie comes home from being with Landon and her dad is like, your behavior is sinful. He's a little too much. Like he's the overbearing dad, but then also the pastor. And it was just a lot of stereotypes thrown into one. Yeah. And you could tell like, that's just how they wanted it to be. You're going to be over the top on everything you do, everything you say, every scene you're in. It's, yeah, you know, by the end of the film, it's, he's very different. You know, there were some nice moments there near the end, but at the beginning, you're just like, all right, I get it. Like, okay, he's the pastor. He did have the one funny scene where Landon's at the house for the first time and he's looking at Jesus on the crucifix and the dad kind of walks up behind him and he's startled and he's like, Jesus. And Jamie's dad says, nope, Jamie's father. Yes. (laughs) It's cheesy, but I kind of always like moments like that. (laughs) That's going to be you, Rob. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm all boys, so I feel like it'll be a little different. Yeah. Maybe it'll be you though. I mean, you have the daughter. You know what? I think, I think I'm going to like reinvent my personality. I'm, I'm going to be this character. All right. In the notebook, we have Ryan Gosling. Everybody knows who Ryan Gosling is, but I just want to shout out. Remember the Titans, La La Land? He is also just Ken in the new Barbie movie. That's right. He has three Academy Award nominations. Ryan Gosling, superstar actor. Nick Cassavetes wanted someone unknown and not handsome to portray Noah. Therefore, he cast Ryan Gosling in the role. (laughs) Yeah, whenever I think of Ryan Gosling, I think of unknown and not handsome, right? (laughs) I mean, even at that point, he was... I guess he wasn't huge, but he wasn't unknown. Right. But I don't think anybody would ever accuse him of not being handsome. Yeah, agreed. Gosling prepared for this role by living in Charleston, South Carolina for two months. He rode every morning and built furniture during the day. The kitchen table in the movie actually was built by Gosling. That's cool. We have Rachel McAdams as Allie. Rachel McAdams has been in so many good things. The same year that The Notebook came out, she was also the star of Mean Girls, which Mm -hmm. really shows her range. She also spent some time in Charleston before filming and hired a dialect coach and took ballet and etiquette classes. Really threw herself into this role, but it worked because she was excellent. She was. So Gosling was Cassavetes only choice for the role of Noah. But before he took over directing duties, Spielberg, Tom Cruise, Justin Timberlake were also attached to the project, but eventually backed out. George Clooney was also approached earlier for the role of Noah with Paul Newman going to be the older version of the character. But none of that worked out. Jessica Biel, Ashley Judd, Reese Witherspoon, and Britney Spears were all up for the part of Allie. And Britney Spears' audition footage was actually put on sale on eBay for $1 million in May of 2021. Jeez. Yeah. Imagine if we had a Mandy Moore, Britney Spears matchup in this one. That would have been pretty interesting. I don't imagine Britney Spears could have carried this movie the way Rachel McAdams could have. Look at those names, too, involved. I always like the what if, like who who it could have been. Yeah, this is a good one. Out of all of those names, Reese Witherspoon could have done it well. Yeah, I think so. Especially like considering her role in Sweet Home Alabama. Maybe that's why she was considered. I mean, Rachel McAdams is perfect. I wouldn't change it at all. But Reese is a phenomenal actress, too. We have James Garner as old Noah. Gosling actually wore brown contacts throughout the movie to match Garner's eye color. Gosling has blue eyes. Gina Rollins plays old Allie. This is actually director Nick Cassavetes' mom. That's fun. Yeah. We have James Marsden as Lon. 
Every time I watch this movie, I always feel bad for Lon. I do too. He's not a bad guy. He's like pretty cool, smooth, charismatic. I felt like James Marston had a run there where he was always playing the like second fiddle guy. Lon was like super cool through this movie. You know, he only he almost reminded me of was Patrick Dempsey in Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. Where you know how like they split at the end and it's like kind of like amicable. Yeah. And you're like, okay. At least though, at the end of Sweet Home Alabama, they have that newspaper headline where you find out Patrick Dempsey's character ends up with somebody. Yeah. I like wanted Lon to end up with that widow, Martha. Mm. Give those two characters some love. Come Same on. Same with her. Yeah. Yeah. They're just such nice, cool people. I root for them. I did too. And I mean, I get it. You know, you can't stand in the way of true love and everybody wants Noah and Allie together. And like I did too, but you still feel bad for these other people. Yeah. All right. What kind of connections do we have? Yeah. So Seinfeld and Friends, not really any connections here. So we're going to do a little pivot. We got a different, we'll call it connections corner tonight. Ooh, love it. We have an Entourage connection. Oh, okay. Very interesting. We know the show Entourage, HBO, very popular show. Vinny Chase in the show was actually credited as having a small supporting role in the movie A Walk to Remember. (laughs) And in the fictional Entourage universe, Vinny Chase has an onset relationship with Mandy Moore during the filming of A Walk to Remember. It's funny that they used A Walk to Remember as a major plot point for Entourage. It was like just obscure enough that it's like, yeah, yeah, it makes it a little bit funnier. Okay. All right. That was cool. And then Kevin Connolly, who also appears in Entourage as Eric, they just call him E. Uh, He plays Finn. So Ryan Gosling's best friend in The Notebook. Yeah. Yeah. That's like really his only two things, Notebook and Entourage. Uh, And then I have one more, one more little connection here. And this isn't pretty interesting. Considering that both of these films have some sort of like health, medical plot points, I'm going to take two shows, ER and Grey's Anatomy, two of the biggest shows of the 90s, 2000s in terms of, you know, doctor shows. Shane West actually was a full-time cast member on ER. And then Mandy Moore appeared in, I believe, four episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Okay. Pretty interesting. Very cool. And Rachel McAdams plays a doctor in the Doctor Strange movies. There you go. Yeah. Look at that. And Ryan Gosling in Drive, he was a doctor of vehicular movements. He was just a doctor of cool in that movie. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I got for my connection. I love it. I love it. Those are great. Okay. I mean, I have what I think wins this, but let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't think this one is particularly close. I mean, I think Shane West and Mandy Moore had great chemistry. I think they did a great job in the movie. But I mean, the cast of The Notebook is just like, ooh, it's pretty elite. Mandy Moore is a superstar, and I will not discredit her for that. But I mean, Ryan Gosling, Rachel McAdams, they would beat most casts. It's very true. They played their parts perfectly. Yeah. Where you're cheering for them the entire time. You don't get annoyed by either of them. It would have been really easy to get annoyed by Allie's character. Mm -hmm. And you never do. Agreed. They're an elite romantic couple. Powerhouse couple. Notebook taking round one. Round two. Best line or moments. For A Walk to Remember, we got the chemistry between Landon and Jamie's. They had some good back and forth, some good banter. One scene I'm thinking of is when they're on the bus together, kind of having some back and forth. And then Landon, like, how do you know about that? Did you read it one of your precious books? And they cut to the Bible. And then he <laughs> yeah. kind of like gives it like a... Yeah, well, he's like, <laughs> oh, sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. Ooh, my bad. Yeah. yeah, your dad will bring that up in church on Sunday. This part was really mean, but you know, they're talking about like running lines later at school. She's like, well, I see you later. And he's like, yeah, you'll see me later in your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> talks like that like it was so much yeah she just kind of took it in stride like all right it did lead to 
a great moment when he did show up at her house later. Yeah. He's trying to play it off and... Like we could be secret friends. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like you're reading my mind. Great. Um, Maybe you could read mine. I love that part because so often you see people be jerks to people without any like consequences. It's nice to see her kind of stand her ground. I think that's the part in the movie where you're just like, this is not just like this poor helpless girl who's going to be taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah. Stand up for it. And like, I love that he thinks he's in the clear. He's like, oh, yes, like you get it. And she's like, (laughs) (laughs) she's basically like, no, you don't get it. Yeah, I thought that was great. And I do think like that's the point in the movie, too. Where like I think a flip switches for him, and he's like, "All right, like I think I met my match here." Oh, that's that's true. That's a good point. And then he like even their first date, the part where they go, you know, she's got her list, her bucket list essentially. Yeah. And one of them, she wants to be in two places at once, so he takes her to the border of North Carolina and Virginia, and has her stand, you know, kind of straddling the state line, and he's like, "Hey, you did it, two places at once." The first date scene is really good. I might kiss you. I might be bad at it. It's not possible. It's a good line. It's a great line. And then, you know, some funny parts when Jamie's like, are you trying to seduce me? And then Landon's like, why are you seducible? (laughs) (laughs) And she just like looks at him. He's like, that's what I thought. And then like, you know, he goes and names a star for her. Do you remember when like that? I feel like that was like a bigger thing. I do. I feel like that used to be a big thing and used to hear about it as like a big romantic gesture. Yeah. I don't truly believe I would ever be able to find a star that I named for somebody, so I would never right. do it. Right. But uh, I'm sure some people can. You take a left at that star, and then you yeah, make a right. right at that star. and It's like that dot, that dot. No, no, that dot. No, that dot. No, that dot. Yeah. And then, of course, the big twist. She reveals that she has leukemia, not responding well to treatment. There's twists in both of these movies. We'll talk about it in a later section, but I just can't imagine seeing this movie for the first time, not knowing that twist is coming. Yeah, right. And then you're like, surely she will be healed by the power of God. Right, right. Any other parts for you? I think like one of the bigger parts at the end when they get married is like, you know, such a big deal and like such a happy and really sad moment all at the same time. Well, it's like really, really happy. And then two seconds later, Jamie died at the end of that summer. Yeah, right. It's just what? Oh, yeah. By the way, man, it's heavy. Well, the notebook is just filled with iconic moments. I will have to say up front, I'm not a big fan of the old people part of the Mm -hmm. notebook. You're not really going to hear me talk about things that I love from that aspect of it. But I love the opening scene where Noah first meets Allie. They're at the carnival. Um, Life just seems simpler in the 40s. It really does. Made me a little nostalgic. Well, I mean, can you be nostalgic for a time that you weren't alive in? I don't know. 40s seemed cool up until the part where it was like, oh, then you had to go to war. Yeah. Yeah. Same. But that Ferris wheel scene is so good. Noah just like jumps onto the Ferris wheel and then that guy's yelling at him and he's like, I'll pay you when I get down, Tommy. It's just like shows that little like small town yeah, vibe, yeah. which like I think was really effective. Then he's just like hanging from the Ferris wheel, which is insane. It's insane. But that whole conversation with them when he's like begging her to go out with him. Okay, okay, fine. I'll go out with you. Well, don't do me any favors. No, no, I want to. You want it. Yes! Say it. I want to go out with you. Say it again. I want to go out with you! All right, all right, we'll go out. (laughs) Their banter is so funny and Maybe I just feel like it's because I feel like Krista and I have similar banter with each other. It resonates with me, but it's really good. Probably the most famous line from this movie. Now say you're a bird too. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. Kind of beautiful. I don't 
think like an average person can pull off saying something like that. But when you have like a movie soundtrack behind you and you look like Ryan Gosling and everything is like building up, like you can say it and like melt people. Yeah. But I feel like if I tried to say something like that, Krista would have just been like, cool. Uh, yeah. Then I will be going bird hunting. Yeah, I'll be out. Well, this is where I get off. But still, iconic line. There's a small scene when he's trying to sell the house, and I think it's just funny. But I want to point it out because the house is listed for $45,000, which is just like, what has happened? I understand inflation. I get it. All you economics people out there, you don't have to explain it to me. But that's ridiculous. Yeah, I can't even imagine. No, that's the price of a new car right yeah. now. I like I I just can't. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to hear like, oh well, you know, like it, it that equals present day. No, no, it doesn't. No, I don't want to hear it. Obviously, we got to point out probably one of the most iconic romantic scenes in the history of movies. And that's when they're on the boat, they're rowing, it starts pouring. They're sitting there laughing. I don't think I would have been laughing on the boat when lightning is mm, striking yeah, the, the background. The lightning is what did it for me. I'm like, yeah, me just too. like hurry a little bit? Yeah. But they're getting drenched. They get onto the dock and then it happens. Why didn't you write me? I wrote you 365 letters. I wrote you every day for a year. You wrote me? Yes. It wasn't over. It still isn't over. Commence lovemaking scene. It's a great scene because it yeah. has it has the build up and the payoff. I mean, it's like the cover of the movie yeah. or poster. And I feel like even if you haven't seen that movie, you know that scene. Yeah. I really like their argument scene kind of after that when, you know, she's telling him she doesn't know what to do and stay with you. What for? Look at us. We're already fighting. Well, that's what we do. We fight. You tell me when I'm being an arrogant son of a I tell you when you're being a pain in the ass, which you are 99% of the time. I'm not afraid to hurt your feelings. They have like a two second rebound rate and you're back doing the next pain in the ass thing. It's really good. <laughs> it's so funny. It is. The rebound rate thing is so good. Yeah. And I honestly, I'd rather see a couple like that than people who are just like dreamy all the time. Yeah. Doesn't it seem way more real and relatable? Yeah. Where you're like, I don't think I'd ever say that, but you know, like that's where you and I differ though. Cause I definitely <laughs> would say that and then get punished later for it. But, sure, uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, you're better at not saying everything that pops into your head. And I am more of a, Oh, you want to take it there? Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Anyway, happy Valentine's Day, Krista. Yeah. Have... <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that just like sells me on Rachel McAdams in this movie, though, is when she decides on Noah and she shows mm -hmm. back up. She's holding the suitcases and just does mm -hmm. like the little shrug. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. So great. It's so I like good. that, too. I know. It's so simple. I realized as I was watching this, though, again, I'm like, how many times have I seen this movie? Because so many things that I say in my everyday life, I like forgot were from this movie when they're at like the lake or whatever. And Noah's like, get in the water. <laughs> I say that all the time. Like if I'm in the pool trying to convince my kids to get in, just like get in the water. All right. I'm using that this summer. And then uh, after their ravenous night of love, he's talking about wanting breakfast. He's like, thumb pancakes and thumb bacon. <laughs> and film chicken. I say that all the time too. Not in that situation, but if I'm like, oh, I want some pancake, I say it like that. I think I've seen this movie probably too many times and I just didn't realize it, but. I brought that up to Krista and she was like, well, yeah, it makes sense. We didn't have streaming when we were back in college. This was one of her favorite movies mm -hmm. and I think she owned it. So yeah, we watched it all the time in college. Yeah. yeah. It just becomes part of, you know, your lexicon. Same with Happy Gilmore and Tommy Boy. Right. You watch a movie enough, you start repeating. Without even stuff. thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know what scene I do love is when she's trying on her wedding dress and everyone's going crazy. And then oh, she sees yeah. a newspaper article with him in front of the house and she faints. And then the next scene just cuts to her like in a bathtub with a veil still on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny. That is a really good scene. Yeah. Plays into the story. I mean, it's just like you want this payoff to be seen. And then it's like that's how she finds out. And that was this whole thing. He thought like I'll build the house and then she'll come back. I'll win her back. Which played a big part in it. I love the banter and some of the lines in A Walk to Remember. And it's fun. It's a fun high school movie. Sure. But I don't even think this is close. No. The Notebook has some of the most iconic romantic movie scenes in the history of romantic movies. I think we got to give this to The Notebook in a landslide. Yeah, I, I do too. It's, it's so hard when there's <laughs> there's just so many. I feel like even if it had just the scene in the rain, even yeah. that scene enough is like, I mean, like I said, everybody knows that scene, even if you haven't even seen The Notebook. Well, cool. Okay. Notebook, take a two to nothing lead heading into round three better title or soundtrack a walk to remember the band that's featured throughout the movie is switchfoot how do you feel about switchfoot i'm a big switchfoot fan loved them growing up and forgot that they were so prominently featured in this movie and when i was watching it and the first switchfoot song comes on i perked up a little bit i was like fired up for it and i've honestly since i watched this movie i've been on a switchfoot kick but switchfoot is fire dare you to move learning to breathe elite songs funnily enough I have a Switchfoot story. One of my closest friends and a loyal listener to the show, Justin Ellis. So his wife, Sharissa, the Foreman brothers, who are two of the members of Switchfoot, actually babysat her growing up. And when Justin and I were working in admissions at Gordon, they used to do this like Christian music festival up in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And Gordon was a pretty big sponsor of it. And so one of the years, Justin and I were working it and we were tasked with going and picking up some of the bands from the airport. And so I drove down and picked up Third Day, uh, which was cool. But Justin went the next day to pick up Switchfoot. And so he's talking to them because they had this connection with his now wife. They were just dating at the time. And Justin had this big elaborate plan. He was going to propose to Sharissa a little later that summer. And for some reason, he decided to tell Switchfoot all about his plan. But he's like, it's a surprise. Like she doesn't expect this at all. So then Sharissa and Justin drive them after their show back to their hotel. And when they're saying goodbye, Tim Foreman, one of the band members, turns to Sharissa and he says, so good to see you and congratulations. And Justin said, everybody just went dead silent. He was like John Foreman, the lead singer, was just like staring daggers at him. And he said that Tim realized what was going on and then tried to play it off like, you know, like on finishing everything you've been doing in college and all of that oh, stuff man i don't think she picked up on it after that. i think she was just like oh that was weird yeah <laughs> that's fun i want to meet them maybe we'll get them on the podcast who knows yeah so the reason they they got onto this film was because mandy moore she was a huge fan of them but they didn't know who she was which is surprising but then the lead singer who you just mentioned john foreman actually recorded a duet with mandy moore someday we'll know good song and she also sings one of their songs in the movie called only hope that is a fire song. It's kind of crazy. They literally play the entire song during the play. Like yeah. It's a little long, but it's good. 
I sung the entire song when it came on when that it, scene in the movie. Yeah, yeah I, I sung the whole thing. I had the subtitles on, so I got all the words right. So you... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like belting it out. It was like probably nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, and I'm just no regard to my children sleeping, just singing. I love that. You song. know, if you woke them up, then it's like, hey, listen, this is an important song. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Let me see if you notice something. When Jamie and Landon are in the car, Jamie's driving, and he keeps switching the radio station, and she keeps switching it back. Did you hear who she was listening to? No, who was it? She was listening to Mandy Moore. <laughs> so That's Mandy great. Moore exists in this universe. I love it. Man, it was pretty ballsy of him to keep just changing the radio in that scene. Yeah, they weren't there yet. No. Yeah, they had some other, you know, 90s-ish songs too. Some new radicals were in there. Get your freak on. <laughs> For like 10 seconds. Yeah, that was good. They even heard some dancing in the moonlight. It was a good soundtrack. Yeah, good soundtrack. I'd say pretty solid. Notebook has like one song in it. It's the I'll be seeing you. The score is nice. It sets the tone. I used to include that I'll be seeing you song on like a ton of the playlists I used to make for Krista. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a classic playlist song for someone you are pursuing. But I mean, in general, that's really it. But let's talk about the title. Why is it called A Walk to Remember? Actually, I have some information about this. Let me hear it. It's actually more of a plot point in the book than it is in the movie. So go all the way to the end of the movie where they're having their wedding. You know, number one on her list to get married in the church that her parents got married at. In the book, she's weak. She's in a wheelchair. But she insists on walking down the aisle so that her father could give her away. Which is part of the dream that she has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She says she wants to walk down. Yeah. Yes. And then Landon remembers and he's thinking it was the most difficult walk anyone ever had to make. In every way, a walk to remember. Wow. It seems like that would have been a good part to include. Like, I know the wedding was supposed to be like the pinnacle of, you know, it's number one on our list, but I feel like it was just such a minor little detail. Yeah, it went like pretty quick. I guess like a lot of people probably who are seeing this were already familiar with the story in the book. So maybe the title made more sense. But for someone who hasn't read the book. Yeah, yeah. I have to do some digging. So Abby sent me that one. She was like, I have some information. I was like, that's a good one. Well, for the notebook, I understand why it's called the notebook. It's because that's what he's reading out of. I don't think it fits. Like I wouldn't change it. I'm sure the book goes into more detail on that too. I don't know. I wouldn't really call what he was reading out of a notebook. Same. Yeah, no, it, it is an interesting title. Like even like, I don't know, the diary doesn't really sound right. I mean, the notebook as a title sounds great. Yeah. But in terms of tying it into the reason why it's called the notebook, I'm just like, eh, falls a little flat. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like in a vacuum. Great sounding name. But like, I just don't think it does justice to the story. Like I said earlier, the old people part of this movie doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. And when you're calling this the notebook, it's almost putting the emphasis on that part of the storyline. Yeah. Yeah. When like when I feel like everybody thinks of the notebook, you think of them as younger people. You almost wish there was some scene or scenes where like she's writing stuff down like as it's happening. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. I would say like title wise, I like what you had said about a walk to remember. That makes more sense. I don't know if it fits for the movie, but it definitely makes sense coming from the book. Music score soundtrack wise. I can't go against a walk to remember in this. Yeah, me too. I think it plays such a big role in the whole movie. Yeah. It's hard to go against a walk to remember for this category. All right. The Notebook has a two to one lead going into round four. Before we jump into round four, we have a very, very special Valentine's Day guest with us today. You know her pretty well. I know her as your better half. 
Mm-hmm. Let's welcome to the show one of my oldest friends, Abby Rockline. Hey, Ab. Where are you? Are we in the same house yes, right now? Yes, we are. I'm just downstairs. Oh. This is my office. That's right. That's yes. right. It's very nice. Rob, when you said that I'm one of your oldest friends, I realized I think I met you before you and Alex met, actually. We definitely did. Abby lived in the same dorm as Krista. Mm-hmm. And Abby, the pride of Connecticut, Krista and <laughs> Krista and I used to watch Gilmore Girls and Abby walking past the room once heard it and was like, oh, I'm actually from like one of the you're from like one of the towns that it's based on, right? There's two towns that it, they argue over who it's based on. I think the creators have since said that it was Washington Depot that they made the show after is just a town over from where I grew up, which is Milford. But we both have very similar downtowns with gazebos. I remember I kept hearing the Gilmore Girls theme song down the hall, and I finally was (laughs) like, I need to go meet whoever this is. I don't think I expected to see you in there, Rob. So. <laughs> Chris wasn't even there. It was just Rob. Yeah, <laughs> it was just Chris me. Was in there, but I was really surprised. You play a TV show over and over again, and this was before streaming, so you couldn't skip the right. opening theme oh, yeah. song. Just listen to it over and over again. If you're out, <laughs> whatever that theme song is, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there we were watching Gilmore Girls, and the other crazy thing: we've known each other for half of our lives. Just yeah, about. when you break it down like that, it's, it's seventeen so years. Weird. 17 years. I know. Insane. I was 18 Mm -hmm. when I met Krista and you, Abby. Alex and I met, you were 19 when we met, because I remember your 20th Mm -hmm. birthday. We were just friends, though. Yep, just friends, as you still remind me. (laughs) (laughs) We had a nice long run where I really held off there before I finally was like, well, he's not going away, so. Yeah. You guys had a nice nice good love story, though. Alex uh, was in the friend zone, but kept Mm -hmm. at it, and through his resiliency yeah. yep. finally broke through. I was hanging on that Ferris wheel. <laughs> I always give a little credit to your mom, though. I don't know if it would have happened had I not met your mother. That's I fair. almost dated Alex <laughs> after meeting his mom. Yeah, yeah. Right? She's a keeper. Yeah. We've all lived at her house before. It's true, And too, I know yes. she's going to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we are very excited to have Abby be the first wife represented on the show. And honestly, if I'm... And being true, probably the only wife that will ever be represented on this show. I tried to sell Krista on coming on, and she um, has told me on a number of occasions, I have to hear you talk enough in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to do it for a podcast setting, but maybe one day. But so, Abby, we have a score of two to one. The notebook is leading, heading into round four. Plot holes, cringiness, random questions. We are excited to have you as our guest judge here. So let's jump into it. Can anybody explain to me why Landon's punishment involved him being a part of the school play? I wondered that too. I was like, really? That's a punishment? The principal's like, we can't suspend you, but we can make you be in the theater. But what? I also had an issue with like, I don't know how theater was for your schools, but like a lot of people tried out for the plays and the musicals. Yes. Like, no, no one would have gone for that. That's not fair. I think even more ridiculous was that he was assigned the lead in the play. Just a sign. No auditioning. He shows up. He has like a terrible reading audition. And the teacher's like, I see something in this guy. Let's make him the lead. He's never acted before in his life. I would have been more like inclined to believe it if they were like, you're going to help 
help build the sets. I feel like that's always good. Like hard labor, they could always use more help. Actually, that would have made sense. Your punishment is you're building the sets for the school yeah. play. Anyway, Alex, you had mentioned you really liked the being in two places at once scene, which is a great scene. However, Beaufort, North Carolina, which is where this movie is set, is actually nowhere near the Virginia state line. Like, it literally couldn't be further away (laughs) from the Virginia state line or any of the state lines. Mm -hmm. So uh, it would have definitely been tough for them to get to that part of the state in one night. Couldn't they just have gone to like the neighboring town and been like, you're in two towns? That would have made way more sense. Jump into cringiness. I mentioned earlier, but the high school stereotypes in this movie are just really bad. The friend Eric is like so cartoonish. Just that whole friend group in general. They're such a-holes that it's not believable that anybody would like them. Which doesn't make it bad for the movie. I just like pointing out dumb high school stereotypes. Uh, I noticed this in this movie. I've seen it in a ton of other movies. It really doesn't take anything away, but I just want to point it out. I don't know about you guys. I've never seen cheerleaders just like practicing cheer routines in the front of the school. (laughs) Right. And there's no, there are no mats while they're practicing either. They're just like on the hard ground. That's how good they are. They practice so much. They don't need the mats. Alex, there's always like a through line of us talking about how it always is just shocking to me when girls just throw themselves at guys in these Mm -hmm. high school movies. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that part of the storyline was just not flushed out. Not Mandy Moore, the other random girl. They did allude to them being in a relationship previously. When he dropped her off and he said, I told you it's over. But then I was like, what happened? Yeah. I don't feel like high school guys. Okay. This is probably stereotypical. But if a girl, even if they were like not into them anymore, was like, my parents aren't home. I feel like he would go for it. Like regardless. I always think that. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like he wouldn't care. Like, I feel like afterwards he'd be like, by the way, not emotionally invested in this, but. I mean, maybe they were trying to make him seem like not as horrible Mm. of a person, but he's definitely doing that. He's like, all right, like, sure, let's get after it. And it was still in that time in the movie where he was still being a jerk. Like he hadn't yet softened his ways. I agree. They're in the play. She's singing the song and then he like ad libs and just kisses her. I don't think anybody's Mm -hmm. doing that. No one made a comment, though, did they? The kid that wrote the play did. Oh, yeah. okay. I don't know if he commented on the kiss specifically, but he was like, oh, you kind of went off book there a little bit or something. That's another one, too. How did he get the (laughs) write the play? I don't know. Also, that play wasn't just big plot hole for me. I didn't understand what was happening. It was about some guy that was like running alcohol, but then all of a sudden he's like making out with lounge singers. I couldn't (laughs) figure it out and dreaming about her. And then somehow she was singing. It didn't make any sense to me. I also don't think they're like performing a play that a kid Mm. wrote. They're probably just like, let's do cats again or something. The teacher was like, she seemed to know the ins and outs of it. Like, oh, this is how you have to play this role. Like, what? How do you know? I also struggled with that scene where she kept like pushing their faces around and their arms. I've been in musicals and never once did I have like the director like physically moving my face and like my arms like that. It was, I was like, that's a little bit much for me. Yeah, you're right. I do think the play was just one huge (laughs) plot hole. Alex, this one's for you. The whole photo shop scene. Oh, gosh. Yeah. They made it seem like these people spent hours and hours on this Photoshop. And I couldn't remember the payoff. And so then when you finally see what the picture looks like, and it's the worst Photoshop job in the history of Photoshop. Like, first off, one, it wasn't even a good joke. No. It wasn't funny at all. But two, it's a black and white face on like a pinup girl's body. And it literally looked like they just like cut it out with scissors and like glue it all 
It was ridiculous. Like, it, it wasn't like, oh, so realistic. Like, look at these photos she takes. Yeah, no. No. As a professional designer, I know that one must date you up a little bit. Yeah. I was a little jealous of their skills. I was like, <laughs> I also felt it was a little cringy. Every time Landon called Jamie baby. Baby, baby, I'm sorry. Yeah. It just, like, really stood out to me. Like, oh, they, like, weren't no. dating yet. He just was calling yeah. her baby. That time was like right after the photos. And I was like, wait, you yeah. have not even gone on a date yet. Yeah. It's aggressive. It was aggressive. Yes. Every time he said it, even after that, it didn't fly for me. It was no good. She didn't come off to me as a Mm-mm. baby. No. Like, I feel like he would have had a different name for her. Yeah, I don't know. agree. All right. Some random questions. I don't understand what the deal was with all of the hate for the sweater that she wore. Like, I get it. She had one sweater and I kept waiting for it to come back like, oh, it was her mom's sweater or something. But it didn't. She just had a sweater that she wore and they made yep. fun of her for it. And it's like, cool. Are we just making fun of people for being poor? Like, I don't know. I wouldn't put like, it was a nice sweater, too. What's the deal? Like, it was. Yeah, it was. I actually thought it was nicer than the one that he gave her late. That one looked a little cheaper to me, if we're being honest. So he shows up and he's like, oh, I got you a gift and it's another sweater and it's like i don't think the issue was that she, like <laughs> yeah. i don't think she couldn't get another sweater for herself like but, I, and then I she know. wore that sweater all the time the yeah yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, so we're just yeah. really into she's a minimalist is what it is she was ahead of her time if i knew that i was potentially dying i probably wouldn't want to waste time thinking about what to wear every day too Fair. yeah that's very true here, this is my biggest question. Is A Walk to Remember a Christian movie? They have a Christian soundtrack. They speak a lot about faith in it. Hmm. I mean, I have a hard time with that one because the dad who's the pastor was rough. We, if that's like we how we're representing that. Christians, yeah. I have a hard time with that. This kid's yeah. gotten into some troubles. If you date him, you're a sinner. Like, I don't know. But I, I do like Switchfoot, Jars of Clay, we're in there, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It definitely had Christian themes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would say, yeah, it's more of like a feel-good love story with heavy Christian themes. It's more of a romance to thriller. To me, it felt like it was <laughs> written by someone who maybe like was a every Sunday church goer, not necessarily someone yeah. who was like trying to make it a faith-based movie. It does. Wait, but speaking of the Christian part of it, I have a plot hole that really bothered me. Oh, tell me. When she tells him that she has leukemia, she says, I found out two years ago I had leukemia, and now the doctors are saying nothing works. We all grew up in church. If someone in the church found out they had leukemia, like what is the first thing that would happen? Especially the pastor's daughter. He would get up there on Sunday and tell everybody that his daughter was sick and they would all be praying for her. Prayer Landon chain. and his mom went to that yep. church. So I'm like, there's no way that all of a sudden everybody's just finding out now that she's dying. Like it's a small town. I would assume someone who went to church was at the hospital she was at. People would know she was sick from treatment. Wow. No one would have been keeping that under wraps. That is so valid. Especially like, I mean, her dad was calling out everything from the pulpit. Right. Two years is a long right. time to keep that. Every pastor that I've ever met really strongly believes in the power of prayer so like every they're having everybody they're being prayer warriors for yeah. sure wow that's a good plot point alex what uh what do you got for the notebook plot holes i mean there's not really not many in the notebook one that kind of comes top of mind is so ryan gosling's character sent noah sends 365 letters so one every day and every single one of them got intercepted 
Like you would think like at some point, either she would see one or she would check the mail. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. She didn't get the mail once in 365 days. And also like he knew where she lived. Why didn't he just go there? I think that's a better point. He could have gone to New York. He could have gone to where she lived. Like after like the 100th unreturned letter. Yeah. Aren't you just going up and being like, hey, your fingers broke. Like what's going on? Or why didn't she write him a letter? Hmm. Yeah, that bothered me. Like when she was like, you never wrote. (laughs) Neither did you. Like you knew exactly where he was. Yeah, it's not a one way street. I also feel here. like I would have tried writing to the school. Like, I know he didn't know her address at school, but he knew where she was going. So, like, why was he still uh, sending true. the letters to her house when he knew yeah. she was, like, way up in New York? Great point. Basically, if he would have tried a little yeah. harder, or if she had put in any effort whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, any. Any yeah. any effort at all. Yeah. You watch me cry myself to sleep every single night. Well, like, then do something yeah. about it. Yeah, right, right. Something that's cringy, speaking of the mom, too, when she takes Allie out to that job site and she's like, yeah, see that guy over there? Like, I used to, we were in love and I come and check on him every so often. It's like, why? Oh, is that weird? Is that weird? Should you not be doing that? Oh, yeah. Well, no, if you do it, it's fine. But I mean, check with Chris on that one. I don't know if that was <laughs> <laughs> No, it was like olden times Facebook stalking, but she yeah, just went right. and did it in person yeah. and watched him. He totally saw her too. Well, he was she like, was oh, driving like... a very nice car, a convertible, and she just yeah. kind of parked behind some gravel. Like for sure people noticed her. I like how the mom had to like clarify to Allie. She was like, he might not look like anything now, but back in the day he was <laughs> yeah, a looker. Yeah, it's yeah, like, I don't you. think she was questioning that. <laughs> she wasn't judging you on your game of the yeah. level of man that you're looking at anyway. All right, just some random questions here. So they go to the plantation and they hook up there with all the candles in there. Oh, yeah. That seems like a bad idea. The house is burning down. When did they light all those candles? They show him carrying like two candles to this house. But then they go in there and the house is like fully lit up. I don't know. We lost power a couple weeks ago and we're like lighting candles. It would take like 100 <laughs> candles would take a hundred candles to candles, illuminate yeah. a house yeah. at that level. Yeah. In that scene, when they're undressing, it's really, really awkward. But is it also kind of realistic, like how they would have done it? Yeah. They go like piece by piece. I do think they captured the awkwardness of the first time very well in that moment. I will say if I looked like Ryan Gosling, I probably wouldn't mind going piece by piece. Like Mm -hmm. I feel real confident in myself. (laughs) So the ending in the streaming version is different. They cut out the nurse at the end finding present day Noah and Allie. That really threw me because I'm watching it. I streamed it. I own the movie, but I streamed it and it's getting to the end and it just ends. So they lay in bed together and then it just cuts Mm. to birds flying away. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Am I imagining this? And I looked it up and no, they changed it for the streaming to be more ambiguous. And it's like, why? Why? Give us the closure. Let us let them find him. I know. What's interesting is I don't know, like when I watched this, I didn't see it in the theaters. And I remember that ending where it's like super ambiguous and you're like, did they die? Did they not? So then when Alex and I watched it and we watched the one with the ending with the nurse, I'm like, that's not as ambiguous as I remember it being. So it's pretty black and white. Yeah. So the house that he's living in, like, so it's like the nursing home. That's like the house he restored, right? They have one exterior shot and it looks exactly the same. Yeah. And it's on the river or whatever that he rose. Yeah. I know. I kept getting confused because then they would go to the interior of the house and it just looked straight like a nursing rehab type center. I had read in the book that it isn't. They have the house that he fixed up, but then they have this nursing home for them to be taken care of. But in the movie, they were definitely combined. It was just the same. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm not convinced that it was their house. I think it just looked similar. I tried figuring out. I couldn't find, like I said, the book was definitive that it wasn't. I mean, it looked a lot like it. And I had moments where I was like, is it? But that part where he goes to the hospital and then they like put her in a caged in area. Like, is that really their house? Would they have done that? Like, that's weird. Well, and then there's the scene when he sneaks into her yeah. room and they show it from like a hallway perspective. And I'm like, that's really big. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of rooms. Mm-hmm. That looks more hospital too than like a hundred percent that's been fixed up for nursing home but yeah but i don't know because some of the exteriors are the same it's we can't it's a question we won't be able to answer all right abby moment of truth which movie had the bigger plot holes was more cringy oh a walk to remember for sure so many more plot holes way cringier i would agree yeah we were like really kind of stretching for some of the notebook type of things walk to remember it's like you don't have to try very hard no Okay, great. Well, Notebook takes a three to one lead going into round five, our miscellaneous question of the week. Which movie ending gets more emotion out of the viewer? So obviously in the notebook, you have the can our love take us away together and they pass into the great beyond in each other's arms as like old people. On the flip side, with a walk to remember, you have the wedding, which leads to her death. And then for me, that scene where Landon goes to see her father at the end is pretty emotional and I'm not even afraid to say it. I'm not ashamed to say it. I got a little choked up when he says to her dad, I'm sorry she never got her miracle. She did. It was you. That one got me a little bit. Obviously they're both pretty sad at the end. Big emotions though for both like in both movies, in both ways. Which twist is bigger? So the twist of Jamie having leukemia or the twist of Allie having dementia and Noah and Allie being the old couple? What do you mean bigger? Like like if you were watching these movies for the first time without any background yep. knowledge, which one are you more shocked at? Probably a walk to remember. Only because I think you figure out what's going on in the notebook pretty early on. I think so too. What you agree with that, yeah. Abby? I mean, I'm thinking back when I watched these both for the first time and I remember like pretty early on the notebook being like, ah, I'm pretty sure these two old people are supposed to be Noah and Allie. And then like <laughs> yeah. A Walk to Remember when she's like, I have leukemia. And you're like, what? I think in A Walk to Remember, the movie, Alex, you talked about the book making a bigger deal of the wedding and that walk going down. He gave you credit for that. Thank you. So nice. I didn't steal it. I knew you were coming on. <laughs> I feel like in the movie, it kind of just like rushed into like, oh, we got married. And then it was like, it, she lived the rest of that summer and then died. So in the movie, the wedding aspect of it, like that didn't really hit me. It was the after effects, like years later. For me personally, the notebook ending, I've said it 400 times already on this episode. I really don't care at all about the old people in this movie. I guess it's cool that they die together, but I don't know. I just kept thinking about their kids and stuff i know i kind of wanted to see like their life with kids yeah from like me too i kept wishing that there was like one more scene like at the house with them like out in the yard or something running around with their kids i agree Abby, which movie gets more emotion out of you? I'm going to go with a walk to remember on this one. I wasn't as invested in the like older Allie and Noah storyline. It did feel like it tried a little too hard to me. And a walk to remember, I thought from the wedding until like he goes to see the dad and realizes that he's the miracle was much sweeter to me than an emotional. I like it. Okay. We have the notebook with a three to two lead heading into round six. Better trivia. 
in a walk to remember the inspiration for jamie sullivan's character and actually some of the events in the book slash movie were inspired by nicholas sparks's sister danielle sparks lewis whom both are dedicated to that's nice and sad at the same time Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams were both born at St. Joseph's Hospital in London, Ontario. Oh, I guess I didn't realize Rachel McAdams was Canadian. I knew Ryan Gosling was. Shane West loved the car he had in the movie so much, so that's the 67 Camaro, that he bought the car. Price of the car? $5,000. That was a pretty cool car. So the pictures of an older Ali and Noah throughout the years that you see in the movie are actually the personal photos of Gina Rollins. She's the actress that played Ali, and it's it's her and her husband, John Cassavetes, with James Garner's face photoshopped over John's face. And that Photoshop job was much better than the Photoshop yeah. job in A Walk to Remember. They didn't hire that girl. They were the same color, at least. All right. So A Walk to Remember was shot in North Carolina. And if some of the sets or locations look familiar, that's because they were also used in Dawson's Creek, specifically the school, hospital, and Landon's home. Nice. Love Dawson's Creek. So according to director Nick Cassavetes, Gosling and McAdams did not get along at first, and Gosling actually tried to have McAdams replaced on the movie. To improve their relationship, Cassavetes staged an intervention by bringing them into a room where they could air all their grievances that they had with each other and work something out. And it must have worked because they ended up dating in real life for a few years after the movie. <laughs> it's like couples therapy before yeah. they were a couple. All right, Abby, which ones do you like more? Oh, this one's tough. I'm going to go with the notebook. Sorry, Alex. All right. Notebook. Clinching it on that one. We'll play it out. We'll see what, what kind of score we can Playing finish for with. pride now. So round seven, better story, better script, more fun. For me in a walk to remember, I wish they cut all of the friend stuff. I wish they would have just focused on the relationship part of it. The friend yeah. stuff, like, that didn't really do much for me. It wasn't until they started their relationship that I got really invested. Yeah, no, Rob, I, I totally agree with you with the with the friend stuff in a walk to remember. Maybe, like, a little bit of it, but... It just seemed like it just kept building and building and then just kind of like stopped. They all got so serious. The yeah. friend we said, it's his name, Eric, was just like such a caricature of himself. And then like he comes and talks to him and he's like really serious. And I'm like, yeah, I wish they kind of had more of that or more of something, you know, to kind of yeah. like offset it. But I, it's something we talked about even even before, just like the couples in both movies. I thought, you know, you get invested in them. I know it's too totally different. You know, the teenagers versus more of the young adult. And then like as now an adult rewatching these movies, you definitely do connect still with the notebook where a walk to remember you're like that's not what high school was like or <laughs> yeah. i don't know about that they're both fun movies i would have to say though that the moments in the notebook are some of the most iconic moments in romantic movies it's hard to say that anything is more fun than that especially out of these two movies so yeah i mean i, I have to go with the notebook it's just having rewatched it i probably haven't seen them since i was like young 20s in or in high school and i like the storyline better i still vibe with it in a different way and like a lot of a walk to remember i was like oh those friends are terrible <laughs> until like the very end and then they're like oh she's dying yeah. okay we'll be nice now i didn't really go yeah. for that whole thing and i wish they had focused more on jamie and Lance and fleshed that out mm -hmm. a little bit more. So I'm giving it to the notebook. Well, there you have it. The notebook with our biggest blowout of the show winning five to two. Oof. Two, 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 two.
522. All right, what are you ranking these? For the notebook, I have an 88. And for A Walk to Remember, I have a 78. I was like not such a fan of A Walk to Remember this go around. I gave it a 70. And for me, the notebook, I just love it so much. 90 for me. I love these movies. Didn't rank them as high as you two, but they're still phenomenal. I went with The Notebook, an 81%, and A Walk to Remember, a 68%. I mean, listen, y'all are really into like the comedies and the action. I'm a big romance person, so I'm just going to rank them higher than others. And I'm also going to be more critical of them because that's my cup of tea. Everyone has a different connection or different reaction to the same movie, and it's fun that we have a nice range of scores here. Well, Abby, thank you so much for coming on our special Valentine's Day episode of the Movie Showdown. We'll have to have you on again because you brought some killer insight into these movies. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. It was fun to revisit some movies that I haven't watched in a while. And Where can people find you if they want to find you? <laughs> they can't. They can't find me. <laughs> Don't find me. <laughs> I live a very anonymous life and I would prefer to keep it that way. But <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Everybody, have a great Valentine's Day. Buy somebody some candy hearts. Or don't. I don't know. This has been the Movie Showdown with Rock and Rob. Make sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review. All that fun stuff. And follow us on all the socials at Rock and Rob Show. Until next time, peace. I'm out of here. See ya. Bye. Oh, I love it. That's good. That's good. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Bye, Felicia. That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Hasta la vista, baby.